Today's reading continues in the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. And this can be found on page 1216 in the Church Bible. <clears throat> be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the lamp to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. <clears throat> Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the word of the Lord. We have all asked at some point God to help us with some attribute or fruit of the Spirit, and, and a lot of time we are like this child. We want patience, and we want it now. Uh, patience and endurance don't quite work like that. Uh, unfortunately, as selfish people, we don't really get patience very, very quickly. We always want our way to be first. We want what we want to happen straight away and what others want to take their time. Uh, James has started this letter, which we've been preaching through a long time ago, with chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, which says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perse perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The letter begins with a reminder to seek perseverance, and now at the end, the command is to be patient, especially patience in the face of suffering. And in order for the church to be patient, James gives three examples which we will look at today. Patience in farming, patience of the prophets, and the patience of Job. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for the truth that it contains. Help us to find that truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So from the previous warning, in the, the previous six, six verses, which Bart preached on two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, James now reminds the church that he is addressing them specifically by what we see in the English as the words brothers and sisters. And he tells them to be patient. Patient for what, you may ask? Patient for the return of Jesus. James and the early church were expecting Jesus to return within their generation. And he wanted them to be living in such a way that when he returned, they would be ready for him. And you know, even though that was 2,000 years ago, all through the years, the church has continuously believed that Jesus would return in their generation. And even here today as a church, 
we should be expecting Jesus to return at any moment. He reminds this, he reminds the church of this in three verses that we just read, that Jesus is returning. From verses 7 to 9 he says, Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See the farmer waits for the land to heal his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, you'll, you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And this should be our longing. Our deepest desire is to see Jesus return. We should be expecting it and living for him each and every day. Ready for him to call us. Ready for him to allow us to go into heaven with him. We should live patiently, persevering in our faith until we see him face to face. We must patiently endure hardships and heartaches until Jesus returns. And so to help them understand this, James used the example of farming. And in this country, I've really been opened up to the idea of seasons. Uh, previously where I've lived, the seasons weren't quite as strong. But uh, as I've lived in the UK, I really have seen the joy and the privilege of going through season by season. To see the, the way summer allows us to be energetic and, and doing things and how winter allows us to shut down a little bit and, and rest more. Uh, and the, the joys of spring and autumn and the different flowers that they contain. Every season declares God's faithfulness and reminds us of his timing. Uh, and as a farmer, seasons are very, very important. And timing is very, very important. He has to be aware when the correct time to prepare the soil. When the first rains have come and the soil is soft enough that the soil can receive the seeds. Uh, he has to know when is the right time to plant, when is the right time to weed and to remove pests, when is the right time to harvest. Farmers never rest. They work all the time. And they watch the weather very carefully to see when there's too little or too much rain. Uh, it all has to be the exact right amount. And so I looked at the experts to see what rain had to do in Palestine or Israel. And according to the experts, they say, Palestine's autumn rains come in October and November. So that rain makes the soil soft, ready for planting. The winter rains, however, which is 75% of the, of the year's rainfall, comes in December and January. And after those rainfalls, there must be some harvesting, uh, mostly of the um, barley harvest. But if you wait patiently, there is the latter rains. The latter rains are the final rains that come, and these come in, in, in March and April. And the main uh, crops that grow in Israel are wheat. And wheat need those last latter rains to allow the last full growth to come. Now, if you were running out of money as a farmer, you might be tempted to harvest your wheat the same time you harvest your barley. The barley comes before that, la that latter rains, and you can harvest your wheat there, but it'll be small and not a great harvest. You have to be patient and wait for those final rains to come through so that you can get the, the greater reward. And as James says, that harvest was valuable. It was very important for the farmers. It was the main way of, of finances in those days. And so a farmer had to wait and harvest at the right time. In the Bible we see over and over again that the word of God is the seed that is planted in our lives. 
Jesus says in his parable that that seed brings forth good fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. And if we've, heard that, if we've heard the gospel, the truth of the word, then we can know that that seed is planted in us. What is that gospel, you say? Well, the gospel is the truth that we have all been unfaithful to God, that we've all messed up at some point, and that unfaithfulness deserves us to be separated from God in eternal death. But because of that, Jesus came to live on earth, holy, totally faithful to the Father. And he died on the cross for our unfaithfulness. He, take, he took the penalty for us on him in order for us to have new life in God. He rose from the dead, proving that we can be made whole and we can have a relationship with the Father. If you've heard that gospel, if you've heard that truth, then God has planted a word in your life, a seed, and now we wait to allow the Holy Spirit to bring growth. God has a harvest planted for, for the church, and he is waiting. And so we too should be waiting for the return of Jesus when it comes, when the harvest is ready. Uh, but what should we do as we wait? What should we not do? Verse 9 tells us what we should not be doing. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Um, language and words that we use are very important. Throughout this book, James has repeated and said over and over again that we are to watch our tongues. And Yari says, if you grumble, the judge is standing at the door. Be aware, time is short. Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready for that harvest season that's approaching? Or are you just using your words wrongly? What should we be doing? We should be like the farmer. A lazy farmer is one that doesn't have crops. A, lazy, a, a farmer is always working. He's always ready for the rain, but he's not taking time off. There's always work to be done. A farmer is patient, but busy all the time. And if you didn't know, know too much about farming, then James gives a second example. The example of the patience of the prophets. Uh, this, this letter is obviously directed at Jewish Christians. We can see from the very first book of the very first chapter, it says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And so we know that the Jewish people knew about the prophets and what happened to them. But today, as non-Jewish Christians, we too know about the prophets. We have read the Old Testament, and we can read the Old Testament. And so we can exam see examples from their examples of how to live. For one thing that's, that's very important to remember is that the prophets were in the will of God, yet they suffered. They were preaching in the name of the Lord, yet they were persecuted. And Satan will tell faithful Christians that their suffering is the result of sin or unfaithfulness. But maybe, just maybe, that suffering might be coming because of your faithfulness. Be aware not to listen to the liar. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 tells us a very difficult thing to understand. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Look at the example of Jesus. He was the most obedient, the most faithful person you could imagine. It led him to the cross. Can I encourage you to read more about the prophets in the Old Testament? Uh, read more about what they went through, what, they, what, the, what their example teaches us. 
Uh, but I want to give you a few examples from the Old Testament. Elijah, Elijah was a prophet. Uh, he announced to the wicked king Ahab that there would be a drought in the land for three and a half years. But Elijah himself had to go through that same drought. After running away and hiding all that time, God still cared for him. He still gave him uh, food from a bird and water from a brook and looked after him. But Elijah went through difficult times. In the end, God gave him victory over the evil priests of Baal. Jeremiah, Jeremiah was arrested as a traitor. He was thrown into an abandoned well to die. Um, God fed Jeremiah, protected him when Jerusalem was sieged and overtaken. And even though at times it looked like he was going to be killed, God looked after him in the worst possible conditions. Even Ezekiel and Daniel had their own share of hardships. Over and over, go, over and over again, as we look at the prophets, we see how the Lord has delivered them. But even those who did not be de- get delivered, who died for their faith, God promised a special reward for those who are true to him. I really do think we, want to, we need to read more about the prophets, spend time in the Old Testament. And to encourage you to do that, let me remind you what Romans chapter 15 Verse 4 to 6 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more we know the Bible, the more we know God, the more he can encourage us in the difficult experiences of our life. The important thing to remember is like the farmer has to keep working, and like the prophets, we have to keep witnessing. No matter how stressful the circumstances may be, we have a duty to God to continue through. And so now we come to the final example from James. Patience of Job. Uh, He prefaces this example with a little half verse, verse 11a, which says, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. What is blessing today? What does it really mean to be blessed by God? Uh, The prosperity gospel teaches you that blessing comes in the form of wealth, um, happiness, joy. Um, What it doesn't teach you is that blessing comes with perseverance. And perseverance only comes through going through trials. Uh, when Ronald and I were traveling through Prague, we saw this famous statue of Jan Hus. Uh, that's the photo we took. Um, Jan Hus was a really important theologian to me. Um, but I'm, 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 I can imagine at this point you're saying, who was Jan Hus? Uh, Jan Hus was a theologian in the late 13th century and 14th century. So if you're good at math, you can tell me how many years ago that was. He was a rector at the Theological Faculty of Prague University and preacher at the Bethlehem Chapel. He taught that the church, the Catholic Church at that time, had to return to recognizing the Bible as the only religious text. He criticized corruption in the church, which was rife at the time, and he wrote many works reforming the church. And the works that he wrote, those books that he wrote, were actually the the basis for reform movement in Germany under Martin Luther. So he wrote a long time before Martin Luther, 
Um, but he was a bohemian thinker and reformer, but he was labeled as a heretic. Uh, he was burned at the stake in 1415 by the Council of Constance. So even though he was someone who was probably one of the original reformers of the Catholic Church, leading to the establishment of the Protestant Church, and he was blessed with God with great understanding and light in a dark, dark world, he suffered and died because of his blessing. Like Jan Hus, uh, Job in the Bible is an example of a person who was blessed through patience and perseverance. Uh, the book of Job is a, is a long book, and its chapters are filled with long speeches that are difficult to read, especially in these days and age when we're not used to reading long speeches. But to give you a quick synopsis, uh, this, this is how it goes. The first three chapters, you have Job's distress. He loses his wealth, his family, except for his wife, but she told him later to commit suicide, and his health. In Job 4 to 31, we read Job's defense as he debates with his three friends and answers their false accusations. And in Job 38 to 42, presents Job's deliverance. Uh, first, God humbles Job, and then he honors Job and gives him twice as much as he had before. So in studying the experience of Job, it's important to remember that like we can read the book and see God and Satan having this big discussion in heaven, but Job had no idea about them. He didn't know what was going on behind the scenes between God and Satan. Uh, Job's friends accused him of being a sinner and a hypocrite. Uh, there must be some terrible sin in your life, they said, because God would never have permitted this suffering. Job disagreed with them, and he maintained his innocence um, throughout the entire conversation. The friends were wrong. God had no cause against Job, and in the end, God rebuked his friends for telling lies about Job. Job is the example that James used, and is also the example that many Christians use as an example of suffering. He had all that the world could offer. He lost all his worldly goods. He lost his children whom he loved greatly. He lost his health. Then his wife turned to him and said, curse God and die. Job 2.9. His friends were against him. They accused him of being a sinner, deserving the judgment of God. And in his mind, it seemed to him like even God was against him. When Job cried out for answers to his questions, he got no response from heaven. When Job prayed, he didn't hear. But Job endured. He continued. He continued seeking God's face. He continued waiting on him, fasting and praying. Satan predicted that Job would get impatient with God and abandon his faith. But in the end, he didn't. Job endured. And these famous words come from Job 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Job endured all this and trusted God as the judge, and he chose to defend himself only to God to receive the reverence. That was the endurance. Job said, though he slay me, I will hope in him and I will give him my defense. He is the only true judge. Today and throughout history, people have misunderstood God's blessing. They believe it's making you wealthy and comfortable. They believe God's cursing is about bringing poverty and suffering. However, Jesus said it was difficult for a rich man to get into heaven. 
Um, Bart spoke about this, the, the, the idea of money three weeks ago, and that's from the previous verses. But here Job wants to remind his readers and every one of us today what he said at the beginning of the letter. In James 1.12 he said, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James teaches us that we need to go through trials and tribulations, not only because we've done wrong, but sometimes because God has a greater reward for us. And we see these examples in farming and in the prophets and in Job. We can know that the trials we are going through, though they seem unfair and difficult, they will allow us to show God's glory to others. We should not be disheartened, but rather use these examples to wait patiently for the return of Jesus. What are you going through at the moment? Are there trials and troubles that are seemingly no, no reason for? Have patience. Have perseverance. Wait on him. Remember the final verse in our passage, verse 11. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you are gracious and good, that you give to us as we deserve, that you allow us to go through difficulties in order to be stronger for you, for an eternal reward. Help us to see your hand in all things. Help us to know that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purposes. Help us to wait for you and to trust you and to long for your return. In Jesus' name. Amen.